Greetings. Welcome to the Talking Reggae Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay of Street Level Uprising. My guest tonight, I'm talking to in Galveston, Texas. Please welcome Soulfire to the show. Soulfire, what's up? Yo, big up yourself, man. Happy to be here. Oh, man, I'm happy to have you, man. I appreciate you reaching out and, uh, and you know, getting linked up so we could do this together. Um, so I got a lot of questions to ask you because I dig your music um, and, and I just got so many questions, uh, uh, technical questions and things I want to ask you. But I start in the same place with everyone, which is um, tell me that that first memory that you have of of feeling reggae music. Well, like I said, man, I grew up in Guyana and reggae's kind of always been around for me, but like my pops doesn't really listen to reggae. Uh, it's like, uh, like, uh, like slack music to him. He listens to Calypso and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So growing up, like I would listen to, uh, Shaba and like, uh, Yellow Man and stuff like that. And she, he, he would always tell me like, yo, I don't listen to that garbage music, man. You know? So that was, that was really my first experiences with reggae growing up was just hearing it through the, through the way. And kind of trying to like find the sound in my own way and being stifled by my pops. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned um, Shaba and we'll get into this, but I definitely hear a strong nineties dance hall element in what you're doing. And I love that. You know, if I had to pin down my favorite eras of reggae, you know, first and foremost on roots, but that nineties dance hall, man is like a real close second for me. Like that's what I came up on in addition yeah. to the roots. And, and I love that. So tell me a little bit more, talk a little bit more about those influences. Yeah, man. Like you said, that's, that's, that's how I grew up. That's how I came up. That was the music that really like was the thing that separated from what my, my parents listened to. Like my mom was a big, like third world maxi priest fan and stuff like that. So it's, it was like the lovers kind of eighties vibe, you know what I mean? And, I wanted to listen to the more street music, you know, cause I was a little hood youth, you know, coming up in, in, in project living and stuff. So, uh, th those were the type of sounds that kind of spoke to me and was really like the first time to kind of separate myself from, from what the family was doing a little bit, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. We do that. We all do that from our parents, even of if course, they listen yeah. to good stuff. It's like, well, you know, dad listens to really good music, but like, I also need to have my own identity there. Did, um, did you get to a certain age and then you started tracing those roots back and getting more into the stuff that came before that? I mean, honestly, man, like, um, I've always been kind of into the spiritual side of reggae. So like the, and I have a couple of brothers and sisters that are pretty active in the, in the Rastafarian community. So I've been kind of interested at a young age because they were older than me and I wanted to understand better and kind of understand like what they were getting into and what they were interested in. So I, I read a lot of books. I, I watched a lot of, you know, the little baby documentaries from the early days of YouTube, stuff like that as a youth and, and kind of figured out my own route or where I wanted to go because I knew as a, as a brown skin youth, like I didn't necessarily feel like like Rasta was the way for me, but I, I wanted to learn what I could from from that type of thinking and then kind of take it to things that applied more to like my own life, you know. So so that was for me a, a big part of, of reggae always, especially the classic reggae music was always something more of a, a a spiritual thing you know what i mean yeah. but for dancehall stuff it was really just like more of a, a proclivity like I, I could do it i knew i could do it i could always do it you know what i mean like i could i could always jump on a mic and do something so i knew that that was where i wanted to be but i also wanted to try to put some of that spirituality into it put some of that real feeling into it too and not just do slackness music you know 
Yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that in your music, man, and I love that. Um, so it wasn't long after you got into it then that you were already thinking about performing, about doing this? Yeah, man. Well, um, I was a like a sound system cat coming up as, as a youth. I, I did a, probably got on the mic the first time at like 16, 15, 16, um, doing sound system stuff. But kind of like a lot of people, you know, maybe spent my energies in ways that I shouldn't have and, you know, got into that street life bullshit for a little while, man. And it kind of like led me astray for a little while. And I had to see other people working in the, the job where I knew I was better. You know, I, I knew I could do the job better than these people that were working. And I thought, yo, man, like, why am I working so hard to be a gangster? Why am I working so hard to be a hustler when I could just do something that's like easy and fun and positive? And, you know, and, and it really kind of like was uh, what I needed to kind of see and uh, and make some changes in my own life, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful, man, because a lot of us, um, a lot of us make the wrong decision when we're faced with those decisions in life. And speaking for me personally, like Rastafari is what saw me out of those days was like, yeah. well, it was it was the same thing like you. It was like, all right, you reach that fork in the road. Do I want to keep going down this path or do I want to make this turn and change? And so I did the same thing. So it's always beautiful to see other people go through that. Um, so let's talk about your sound, man. Your sound is super eclectic there's, there's a couple things I, I really love about you one of them is the consciousness and the spirituality I've, i always tell people on this show um as a conscious artist i love all music i support all music but i'm gonna be honest and tell you that i am going to gravitate more towards the conscious and spiritual artists it's just the way i am um so that's the other thing but the sounds that you fuse into your music i love i love eclectic artists because eclectic artists are more unique artists Yeah. because you get all this to come in and take your sound. So what's your process? Like you got all these sounds that come, I mean, man, you know, reggae, dance hall, uh, soca, cumbia. I, I heard the, um, I'm, I'm hearing trap on some of your tunes. Like what's, what's your process for creating the music itself that goes along with those lyrics? So in recent years, I'm actually signed under, uh, El Dusty's Americano label. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, Bridging, but he's he's done uh, cumbia remixes for, uh, well, man, Tribal Seeds, Stick Figure, um, yeah, Anthony B, uh, you know, Stylo G, you know what I'm saying? So he, he does cumbia remixes primarily, and he does a lot of trap stuff. So when I signed on his label, that was the first time I'd ever even heard the word. The brethren think I thought I was Mexican <laughs> when they first called me to their uh, to their studio. They were like, "Yo, it's like a Mexican dude that can do Caribbean style stuff." They didn't know about Guyanese people. <laughs> and I told them, "I'm like, yeah, I'm from South America." And they were like, "Oh, so you, you're Hispanic?" And I'm like, "Uh." -uh. <laughs> and they're like, "Well, you speak Spanish?" I was like, "No, no, no, not at all." They're like, "How are you from South America? You don't speak Spanish?" I was like, "I'm Guyanese, bro." Like. We all only speak English. Like, <laughs> the big disappointment for them, but uh, <laughs> let me make it still. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, so it's yeah. a lot of that vibe, especially in Texas, you know. Yeah. So when you're, um, how do you create the music? Do you, are you coming up with lyrics first, and are you coming up with music? Are you are you working with producers who come up with the music? Like, what's your whole creative process like? So historically speaking, back in the day, I used to just find somebody I wanted to work with or wanted to work with me. I would fly out and just sleep on their floor and record the whole EP in like two days. 
So that's all my stuff that was previously unreleased. I was the executive producer of, and that's more like dictated by me, you know? And, um, you know, if I wanted the rhythm, so I would just say like, oh, this is what we need to do. You know what I mean? And then Bridging were very talented, but they had less of a, like a, a sound already crafted, you know? And then once I signed with Americano, Dusty has everything, you know, he has a big bag of rhythms just sitting around. And I, I've always been easy to write. I just go into the studio, play me something, give me about 15, 20 minutes, we have a song. You know what I mean? So so I prefer to keep things fresh like that because to me, like music gives you a feeling and you have to work with the feeling that the music gives you. You know what I mean? And so certain songs I'll say like, yo, Dust, we have to try to like sample from this or we have to try to grab from this or I'll send them like a, a sitar tune from like something from like Hindi music from way back in the day and be like, Brezhen, we have a cop that sample and then he'll take that sample and build a whole rhythm on it. You know what I mean? And previous to that, it was all just me having to do that. So that's why like my most recent music is definitely has a lot more layers to it than my traditional stuff. Because me, I only really know about soca music, reggae music, dancehall music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like can't really tell you too much else outside of them genres, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this collaboration then you hear a rhythm that you like, and you're like, stop, like, that's the one right there, right? Something that hits you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so usually he'll create some stuff for me, and you'll have a big file. So every time I come to the studio, he'll be like, yo, man, I have 15, 16 things. Let's go through them, see what you like, see what jump out at you. And then once he takes them loops, he'll flush them out to full rhythms after that. Yeah. Hey, right on. Do you have... um? You have lyrical themes in mind sometimes before you're about ready to hear some rhythms or do the rhythms in- inspire from scratch? Yeah, man, never, never, never. Um, very rarely. Sometimes I have a song that I wrote to no music mm-hmm. and then we'll make a rhythm for that. But, but never, never, the, never the other way around. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I feel like some rhythms is just, they tell you what to put on it. You know what I mean? And that's why I pass on a lot of stuff sometimes too. Cause I'm just like, I don't really see what I'm going to do on that to benefit anybody. <laughs> it seems like, you know what I mean? Cause some yeah, people, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go some ahead. people send you a rhythm, you know what I mean? And just like, yeah, I don't know, bro. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's a you rhythm. Well, it seems no, no matter what an artist or writer's creative process is, it all ends the same as, you know, this has to feel right. Whether you're doing everything from scratch or whether you do it the way you do it. Um, the process ultimately is the same. You feel something that feels right, and that inspires you to come out with it. So it, it's like, it, it's all means to the same end, you know, but that's the most important thing is that you're feeling it no matter what, yeah. you know? Um, take me back to your first recording session ever, man. The first time you ever laid down tracks. Tell me about well, your experience a, with that. It's kind of tricky, man, because like a lot of people, I started as a mixtape cat. You know what I mean? I've been doing it since I think my first recording was 2002. So I've I've been doing mixtapes with just somebody rip a rhythm off us. God knows where, put it in front of me and then I touch it, you know? And I I had a nice little thing going, MySpace days, you know, selling mixtapes and doing dancehall music and stuff. And when I'm relocated uh, to Texas from Florida, actually, people, you know, saying some people, they were like, yo, we want to work with you. You want to do this? You want to do that? And um, I had no experience working with a band. 
I had no experience working with musicians. I, you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. not something I grew up in. Where, where I'm from, lots of sounds, not too many musicians. You know what I mean? So yeah. I grew up, you know, working with tracks forever. You know what I mean? So when I come to Texas, it was very much of like a, yo, you have to have a band. We have to make this for you and da, 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 da. And I was blessed to actually link with a brethren. Um, the man was a, you know, at the time had a nice clothing company that was doing big things and uh, in the scene for a little while called Rerooted. And uh, that brethren actually was like, yo, I really believe in what you're doing, but mixtapes isn't it. And you need like production, man. You need somebody that has a studio. You need somebody to tell you like, hey man, not that one, this one, and not this way, that way, because I'd never had any direction before. And so he put me into a studio in Austin, Texas, alongside a brethren called Mick Pullish, who is another artist, dub artist, uh, su successful in his own right, and um, produced my first EP, my first real EP that way, all on his own dime, never wanting anything back in return, just because he believed in the sound and he wanted it to reach a higher height. So that's really like my first experience. And, that's, and that, that one did pretty well considering, you know what I mean, out of nowhere. So it really like led me to believe like, yo, man, there's something to this. I need to, you know, jump in with both feet. Yeah, man, especially important for you, because from what you're telling me, you know, you're not only starting off with production, with how to be produced, how to produce your sound in the studio, but also how to play with live musicians, which you then have to do when you take it to the stage. So you're kind of growing at the same time in the studio and on stage, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I got an early start, man, but I didn't I didn't do it the the normal way, I guess. No, man, all kinds of different ways, man. I've I talk to cats who start in their bedroom for years and years, and then they make a good album. They're like, oh man, now I gotta figure out how to do this with musicians. I, you know, I've talked with cats who started off with an acoustic guitar on a street corner and then eventually had to learn how to record and play with musicians. You know, I'm old school. I came up playing in clubs, you know, and then recorded. So like I came up. I came up paying my dues as a live musician. So instead, there's all kinds of different paths of the same thing. So, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. yeah. That way, it just kind of develop your sound in a different way, though. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's why, like, my sound is always going to sound like a sound system sound. You know what yeah. I mean? And I have a band now, and we, we play, you know, way more of a chilled out version of all of my recorded music. But, uh, you know, it's still dancehall music. It's still fast yo. <laughs> <laughs> no i dig your sound man i like i like music that's more on the aggressive end i already told you i like music that's more on the conscious end um how much of how much of your consciousness you were telling me how it's important to you right why is that so important to you why is it so important to you to make music that 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 means something conscious in consciousness and in spirituality well, man, like for me, I have 14 brothers and sisters. I have three youth of my own. And I know that there's going to be a day when I'm not going to be on this earth anymore. And whether they're going to be reflecting on their grandfather or their great grandfather or whoever, I want them to know the man that I am. And I want my tracks, my music to speak to the man that I really am here on this earth. Mm -hmm. I want that to be a legacy that carries forward. And, you know, I spent a lot of time doing dumb stuff, man. And I know that I'm blessed that most of that is going to be buried with me. So I want to make sure that these things that I'm leaving for people reflect in a, in a positive way, man, and can give something to people moving forward, you know? And then someday maybe my great grandchild can listen to that and go, yo, grandfather had some words, you know, yeah. somebody that I could never really touch. Yeah. 
And you get that payoff too, man. My daughter, I got a 13 year old daughter and she, she recently said to me, she's like, you know, I'm glad that you play conscious music. Like, I'm really proud of you. And I was like, oh, you know, cool. Thanks. But then she took it a step further and goes, I know you probably don't make as much money as you would if you didn't do this. And I'm like, you could have just stopped. You could have just stopped right there. But you still get that payoff, man. It's like, you know, my kids are proud of me for the things that I say. And I'm sure that you get that from your family too. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's a blessing. Like I said, we just got to had the youth at, at the Austin Reggae Festival for three days in a row. You know what I mean? And it's definitely a vibe, you know what I'm saying? Where I can know that, like, first of all, my reggae family look out for my youth. They know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Anybody that see my youth, I know they're not going to trouble my children. None. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. say the same to a hip hop show, a hardcore show or something else. You know what I mean? Might be some business afoot. Mm. And so, like I said, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be in this community. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We can count on them. Usually better vibes at reggae festivals, reggae shows and stuff like that. There's a certain, I don't know what you call it. There's a certain baseline that yeah. you expect from attendees at a reggae show you know yeah man for sure yeah, yeah and you got a festival coming up man may 5th right you're you're at reggae under the stars um talk yeah, that one that one belly up that one, that one went belly really? up no yep. kidding man oh i'm sorry nah it's good i just got done with it like i said i was in austin for four days man so yeah. i'm ready to chill i have my uh my birthday coming up and uh we have a show out here on the island for that and some of the guys from the label are supposed to be coming up to shoot a video and stuff like that. So, you know, we still have some things. We got Houston Reggae Festival coming up as well. That's going to be another big one. So nice. So you got plenty coming up, obviously. Oh, yeah. Stay obviously. busy as you want to be. You know, that, you know, how that goes busier, sometimes busier than I'd like to be. But it's um, it beats the alternative. That's all. Right. I, that's all I can say about that. Um, you've also done a lot of collaborations, man. You, you've had a lot of artists on your tunes. Talk about some of the people that you've worked with that you've really enjoyed having on your tunes. Man. So like I said, bro, coming up as a brown dude, like listening to dancehall, you know what I mean? Like Guyana is a cool place, but it's a colorist place. You know what I'm saying? People are worried about white, black, brown, you know, they want brown people to do brown things, they want black people to do black things. They want white people to do white things. And no problem, but you know what I'm saying? It's like something I have to get over, right? Well, there's a bridge, and I'm sure you might have remembered the guy. His name is Apache Indian. Mm. And he had that song way back when we were you, Boom, Chaka, Lock. Remember? They played at the studio. They played at the stadium. You know what Everywhere. I mean? Like, did big things with the tune. Yeah. And he was the first Indian that I ever saw doing reggae music. First brown dude I ever saw. You know what I'm saying? Guyana, we're 50% Indian. You know what I'm saying? So, like... I know these people. I just my people. You know what I'm saying? So I, I saw Bridgen doing that and he looked like Supercat. He toured with Supercat. You know what I mean? Like, and that Super was like the guy to me for a long time as a youth. You know what I'm saying? As like a, a little hard-headed youth. You know what I mean? Super had a lot of appeal to me. Mm. So to see a Bridgen that was able to do it like that and be true to his culture and still, you know, have tabla and stuff in his music and, you know, just really kind of blend his Indian culture with like popular reggae culture. That was a big thing to me. So to have him on a track with me was, was, was a real big move. You know what I mean? We talked on, on Instagram and he was like, yo, just send me the track. I'd love to do it, man. And I couldn't believe it. So that was, that's, that's for me is, is one of my big features, man. Like as far as something that really like meant something to me, same way I have the bridge in bigger Haitian on the tune because one of them guys that I, <clears throat> I grew up listening to, Fort Lauderdale guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Big in the in like Worth community, you know what I'm saying? All them things. So, like, 
I've worked with bigger artists that might have a bigger name, but you know, them guys that you rate because you had a tape from back in the day or whatever, yeah, and you never yeah. thought that you was going to hear your voice next to their voice. Yeah. That's the real stuff for me, man. Yeah, man. You know, your influences, the ones that you, you know, because man, I know probably you too, but for me, I didn't grow up on the biggest artists. The biggest artists weren't always the ones that the big, biggest artists aren't the ones that I'm into now. It's like, you, yeah. you dig what you dig. You're influenced by who you influenced by. And a lot of it, like for me is like, man, I want to uplift these cats who had an impact on me, who I believe aren't as high up as they should be because they're every bit as good as all these other artists, you know? So, so when we can give back and say, yo, this, this cat deserves more. And what can I do? to help them collaborate with them, you know, whatever it is, anything that, that gets them a little bit more. That's why I do this podcast to say, man, if I can just, if I can introduce an artist to someone who hasn't heard them, like, that's what I want to want to do with this thing. So it's funny how those artists mean so much to us and to be able to do something with them uh, means the world to us because you remember being that kid, right? Yeah, man, entirely, bro. And like I said, man, like, you know, the new school phrase, right? Representation matters, man. You know, when you can't see somebody that look like you doing it, it make you feel like you can't do it too. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And coming up like, yo, let's be honest, man. Until recently, like reggae was a Jamaican game, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So to yeah. see non-Jamaicans doing it was rare. And it was it was cool, man. Like, I remember it, it really being like, yo, like, look, there's a future in this. You know what I mean? Like. We're not just going to get buckled the first time we jump on stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny the way I've seen it grow, man, especially here in the States. The way teenage me to now is a totally different game for reggae here in the States. Growing up in South Florida, when I did, reggae was not prominent. And you think, well, Florida, why is reggae not prominent in Florida? But it wasn't. It just wasn't when I was growing up. Yo, man, it's a, it's a segregated scene. It's a similar vibe to how it is here in Texas. That's why, like, I tell people, it's like, yo, I work in both reggae scenes. Mm -hmm. I work in the West Indian scene, and I work in the American scene. And I'm blessed because I'm one of the few performers that get to do both. Mm -hmm. Because, and I, honestly, it's because of my complexion, most likely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, your boy, your boy, nice and bright, so I can <laughs> I can walk into Billy Bob's and still do a show. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, and you know what I mean. My backup singer is a Trini, and it's the same vibe. Like, he don't get the same the same allowances. Now in Florida, it's a different vibe. We were just down in Key West not too long ago. The whole thing was different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I hear what you're saying, bro. And that's that's the, that's the kind of the the pity of reggae music. And I think that it's a failing on the American scene to not try to reach out to Caribbean people more. And I honestly feel like it's partially a thing where certain people don't like that vibe in their dance because it makes them feel like they can't say certain things mm -hmm. or do certain things in a certain way because they're worried about somebody judging them or laughing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Bridget, we are here doing this together. If you want to get better, if you want to have the best show or whatever, you should probably work with West Indian people, you know? <laughs> like, and, and when I first came down, down here, man, there was artists that I checked guys like black sheep were like this bridging is bad like he'll dust me on a mic 10 times out of 10 but nobody really know his music mm. have very very little recorded and and very very you know what i'm saying regional following but other artists they don't even want to put the man on a stage because you'll dust them yeah make them look foolish mm -hmm. and it's like yo come on man that's that gatekeeper vibe we don't have no time for that yo like if, if your stage show need work 
Work on your stage show, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Learn something from sheep. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, no, hundred percent. Working with people like that, man. I I can be on a mic, but I have no crowd control, dog. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. start talking too much and start running off at the moat. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. What what needs to be said sometimes needs to be said. You know, but but let's uh let's go in a different direction, man. I want I want to mention some of your tunes, and you give me impressions of your own tune. Cool. Cool, man. All right, man. Um, I want to start with this tune, Never Again, man. Talk to me about how this tune came about. Well, man, like, that one is really... We are trying to do something different. We are trying to do something slower. That was the intention. And the brethren at the studio had been pressing me for a long time to do more singing. Because mm -hmm. I sing when I perform, but I don't really sing too much on recording. Mm -hmm. You know, a little bit here and there. But... You know, I have a band, you know, we do stuff. I sing backups for my brethren sometimes when he's singing, you know, so I'm as time goes on, I'm, I'm more experienced as a singer. But historically speaking, I don't check myself as a singer. I never learned to sing. Mm. So Never Again was really the first time on a track that I was able to actually sing three-part backup for my own tune. Previously, I always hired somebody to just come and sing my backups for me. Mm. Usually my boy Crywin, because <laughs> he's a trainee, so I understand my weird accent. You know what I'm saying? Like, but this is the first time I was able to actually pull it off on my own. So never again was, was, was done through that intention. But the actual lyrical content of that song was about how in the music business, especially, man, we do things sometimes because we feel we have to. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. and me as a performer, especially, I fed my youth for a decade on just music. Mm -hmm. So there were certain things that you had to do sometime you didn't like. Mm -hmm. Perform at a spot that you didn't like. Perform mm -hmm. for a rate you didn't like. Mm -hmm. Perform for people that you didn't care for. However, right? And that song is all about how, like, moving forward, never again, yo. Yeah. We're not bow, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to beg for no little scrap or something. Yeah. We'll say no thank you and we'll keep it pressing because we can't make our own thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what that song is really about, man. It's about, like, yo, never again. We're not going to bow down to nobody ever again, yo. Yeah. Good. Well, it's tough as an artist, man, because like you got to stand up for yourself, but you're walking a fine line too, you know, because you don't want to cause any friction that's going to prevent future opportunities. Yo, man. But, but we have to stand strong sometimes, man. We have to stand strong um, when the club owners say, hey, come play for exposure. I can't pay you, but come play for it. Like we got to stand strong with stuff like that. Like we got to stand strong on venues trying to take cuts of our merch when we ain't taking a cut of their liquor. You know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. I, like I'm here selling you tickets and liquor and food and you're going to try to take 20, 30, 40% of my merch. Like not like there's certain things that we have to say no to. And if we all say no to them, then they stop. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and that's exactly the vibes, bro. It's like, as a cat like me, man, people have said like, yo, he hard to work with. Yo, he, he aggressive or whatever, because they don't check. They didn't grow up with some, some people like me in their life, you know? Mm -hmm. So they, they check me as a certain way. And it's like, no, man, we just not going to let somebody roll over us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just never going to be that way. You know what I'm saying? I'm a nice bridging. I want to break the pie up and make sure everybody can eat. But if you take my slice from me, Bridget, we're going to have some words. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I'm the nicest guy in the world right up until I'm not. And that's and that's that's plain and simple. I make no bones about that. I will be the nicest person in the world 
right up until you push me over that line and then we have a problem because that's that's just the way it has to be man as artists as look this is this is our business this is our livelihood like you would fight for this the way if you had any other business so why would someone not expect you to do that for this yeah man act like you can get the plumber over to your house and shit and then renegotiate after you unclog your 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 thing you know what i mean like yeah no it don't work that way you know what i mean like (laughs) you know i can't afford to pay you but do it for the exposure because i'm gonna tell my friends about it i'm inviting you don't know you don't know bro this is gonna do real good things for your career right now (laughs) i'm gonna invite all my friends over to watch you fix my toilet and so you you do it for the exposure so speaking of people (laughs) speaking of people you don't care for man talk to me about that too man talk to me about i don't care for you yeah so i don't care for you is about an ex an ex-girlfriend you know what mm. i mean them type of people that they just can't get out of your life you know what i mean and they pop up every time you go try to go out and have a good time you know what i mean and really the, the inspiration from that song was the 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 sample that we had at the beginning from my man mighty sparrow and mm. honestly probably my favorite one of my favorite collaborations ever because that's a cleared sample with the calypsonian the calypso king the calypso monarch mighty sparrow so that brethren has a song called village ram and it's all, you know, Calypso style, all about like, is me the village ram? You know what I mean? So you get the uh, the double entendre, right? But yeah. from my side of thing, we're like, yo, that's not me. You know what I mean? Like, th- so it's the other side of it where it's like, if a woman ever tell you that I did something wrong to her, she lied to you, you know? <laughs> like, because it's not like, we don't want to put in that bad energy out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that song is really just like me and my three brethren we're all in very committed relationships, wives, children, all them things. And you wrote a song about the hypothetical of the last girl come back from the grave and try to shock you up again. Mm. And mm. it's really just to try to have some fun, man, because sometimes it's like I take music a little serious sometimes, you know what I'm saying? So you try to have to inject a little bit of fun, a little bit of levity in every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, man. If you make if you make serious music the way you do, the way I do, it's like there's still those <laughs> there is that pressure release, man. There's that, you know, that's why that's why there was a flavor flave in public enemy. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because you can't you can't and like and I love Rage Against the Machine, man. Like I love like great band is like all time conscious band, like love it. But I know they turn a lot of people off because they don't have that. They don't have that pressure release. They don't, there's no humor. There's no, you know, you don't feel that, that love in there, even though that's the reason they're doing it. So to me, I love an artist like you who can be like, yeah, like I do this, but like once in a while, once in a while, like you're going to get that pressure release valve, you know? Yeah, bro. I mean, the, the, the vibes is in reality, I'm a really easy going cat. I'm a fun guy. I like to laugh. I like to tell a joke. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, it's just, unfortunately, most of the time when it comes to music, I'm I'm trying to address something. I'm trying to say something. I'm trying to push something to a certain level. You know what I mean? And you don't always have time to be funny. I'd be saying things I think is funny all the time. It's just nobody else can get funny. That happens to me, man. I had a joke bomb on me on stage just last week. So it's gonna happen man it's gonna happen well i think i think also like in the in that forum like especially if someone knows you as a serious artist they're not they're not expecting that joke sometimes so that might just go over their heads and you're like oh man like like i thought that was pretty funny but i guess they weren't expecting it (laughs) it's like we always say is this the jokes is for me and croy when my singer because this is like me and him is just cracking up all the time on stage and people just 
Yeah, yeah. No, the only person, I, like my wife is the only person I have to make laugh. You know what I mean? Like everyone else, as long as I'm making her laugh, I'm doing all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being easy going, man, let's move on to the next tune I want to ask you about. Let me ask you about Take It Easy. Yeah, Take It Easy, man. Um, That's a song that I've actually, I wrote like out of nowhere, just freestyled it. Because like I said, I have a, a sound system background. Mm -hmm. So at least half the shows I do every year is just me showing up. I select the running rhythms and then just, you know what I'm saying? I just chat something. And we have been doing that one for years and years and years. And it just kind of developed where I had the whole song written. And then we started performing it with the band. And you know what I mean? And I, I went into the studio and Dust had played me a rhythm that had a real kind of chirpy vibe to it. And I said, yo, I already got it written. Let's go. <laughs> and it was just a real, like, real easy vibes, man. You know what I'm saying? Because I'd been performing the song so long. So, you know, them vibes. It's like if you go from a, a, always writing the song in the studio and then spitting to I've been performing this one for five years. Mm -hmm. There's no problem to try to record that thing. <laughs> Yeah, man, and a lot of times you can hear that because you you know you know how it is when you reach a certain level with a song you've been playing long enough, you're on autopilot. You could do yeah. this song, you could wake up in the middle of the night and spit this tune as good as you've ever done it because you've done it so many times that that tune's on autopilot. Yeah, you know? man, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, man, I was just going to ask you something. I just lost it. Ah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you, you were talking about there's a lot of shows that you do. So there's shows you do with a band and there's shows that you show up and do your thing with a selector, or, you know. Um, do you enjoy one more than the other? Is there is do you know, do you prefer with a band? Do you prefer like like how do those two things compare for you as someone who who has a pretty much even split between those two things? And it depends, man. Like if you know you're going to a place that they check for sound system music, sound system is what I prefer mm -hmm. because I know that I can do what I need to do. You know, like if I show up and my voice is gone, we'll just do it on the octave. It's good. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah, I can yeah. check it. We've done it every way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But when I play with the band, that's six other brethren mm -hmm. that I can't necessarily speak for. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how your day went. I don't know how prepared you are. I don't know. What your what your situation is right now, you know what I'm saying? But like I can always speak for me. So sound system is more easy, right? But I feel like the live band shows are more rewarding. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the, the heights can reach higher, but the lows also can be lower. <laughs> yeah, if you're dealing with someone who's not prepared or something like you mentioned, it's like, oh, like that uh that can go south real quick, whereas you know the consistency that you're gonna get. And yeah. as you know, as artists, as artists who aren't in, you know, if if you don't have like a permanent band, if it's not someone that you're playing with all the time, there's always those concerns. There's always, or if you're dealing with fill-in musicians and stuff, that stuff. So you're fighting a certain type of potential inconsistency with that, right? Yeah. And and that's why like, I like, I love the situation that I'm in here in Texas because I have a consistent band, but I don't travel with them, brethren. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So when I'm on the road, I either play with backing bands or with tracks. Backing bands, I'm sure you know, man, can be great, but it also can be a pain in the neck. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it really is the pre preparation. And and because you don't know, a lot of times you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know the type of person you're going to get. You don't, you don't know what their day was like. You don't know what they be doing. 
yeah you know no one has doing, you know what i mean like so you got all that stuff to wrestle with you know as an well, at the same time man it's like if you're being paid to do something you care about it as mm -hmm. much as you're being paid all right yeah but if you put your heart into something and you work with a brethren and you know them then you have a little bit more ownership in the sound sometime and mm -hmm. that's like what i've been struggling with a long time because my music is my music my band is people that like I pick to play in my band, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then they just play my music, like what I tell them to do. So it's like a lot of times, sometimes they, they, people don't feel that that ownership in the band, uh, you know? Mm -hmm. So if they phone it in one day or they just don't show or whatever, it don't matter to them because it's just, they missed the paycheck that day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know? So a couple of years ago, we, we fired everybody <laughs> and just said like, look, man, I don't need nobody that will. I want people that want to, yeah. you know what I mean? Like. I can get anybody that will as, as long as, as, as long as the check is cleared, you know what I mean? Like we can get people. That's not what it's about. You know what I mean? If you got to fly me out to Miami to play a show tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to have to hire some, some, you know, short-term musicians, but still we want to work with people that have like, also or pride in their song. Mm -hmm. I, you know, like whether mm -hmm. the artist is going to just drop or not, you know what I'm saying? they they know that their band, their whatever, their drum, their bass guitar better sound proper because that's what means something to them mm -hmm. as an artist to have that integrity in their art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. You know, I feel like anything worth doing is worth doing, right? Yes. I, you know, and, and, and as a musician, like whether I'm playing for me or if I'm, supporting someone else like that pride in your work like whether you're a musician or a carpenter or whatever it's all the same it's all like do you have pride in your work um i think a lot of times sometimes what we what happens man is we run into hobbyists who don't realize they're hobbyists like maybe they think they're more than that but they're really not because they don't have the mindset and the work ethic for that um but it's tough to it's tough to weed that out until after you play with them Yo, boy, like like five songs in, you know, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking, well, you're thinking, how many more of these we got? <laughs> oh, just just thirty one songs. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had them shows. Yeah, man, that's uh, it's unfortunate, man. But I, I'm afraid a lot of us go through that. Uh, <laughs> the last song I want to ask you about in this uh, in this segment, man. Um. I want to talk about No Surrender. Can you tell me about that tune? Yeah, man. Um, that one is actually one of the songs that I actually wrote to No Rhythm. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, I was driving a cash car, didn't have a radio, you know what I'm saying? Just driving back from a gig and, you know, it's like most of us, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times, there's a lot of pressure in your life. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, lot of things that you're like, yo, if I pay this bill, then I can't pay this bill. If I take care of my car now, then I'm, then my lights is going to get shut off. You know what I mean? All those type of like jugglings that we do sometime. And it, it, it just occurred to me, man, that there's a lot of people that just don't understand them struggle. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, they never really money worries is not something that they check for. Whereas like somebody to me, like money worries should be like a universal thing, right? Like mm -hmm. black, brown, whatever you, you should probably have been through money worries before but you know being in texas and being in the american reggae scene there's a lot of people that just don't they don't understand that reality you know what i mean and so that song was really just written for people that 
can can understand that because mm. where I live is a you know poor area. I don't I don't live in you know a fancy area, mm. and sometimes people can't really like relate to me because oh it's like I talk different or oh like I eat different food or whatever. And it's like yeah, that, but we we're really the same. You know what I'm saying? Like at the mm. end of the day, we're just all worried about the same stuff. Yeah. You know, and so that song is really written for all them people, you know what I mean? Including myself that need that little bit of affirmation in the morning sometime, you know what I mean? Like, yo, I, I don't, I'm not sure if this is worth it. I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it would just be easier to, nah, man, you know, forward ever, backward never, yeah. Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so that's what that song is really written for. And, and when we play it live, I tell people, yo, this one's dedicated to everybody to have them pink slips in their mailbox right now. I'm not talking about no bills. I'm talking about pink slips. Mm -hmm. The ones that say, if you don't pay it by this date, we're cutting it off. This time for you, dog. Real thing, because I've been there. I've been that youth at a show that was like, I'm just going to go feel the vibe. Hopefully, something will pan out with this light bill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, and sometimes it's, it's just nice to hear that, yo, man, like, we in the same boat, dog. You know? And yeah, uh, I, I've never had push. any, I've never had any rich friends. Um, of course, if there's any rich folks uh, listening to this podcast right now and you'd like to send money to me and Soulfire, please feel free. Uh, we will take it without prejudice. But but not nah, a like, friends we can't get. <laughs> like uh, I don't know, man. Maybe rich folks just have never liked me or something. I don't know what it is. But not nah, like like even even at my age, like being being you know middle aged or whatever you want to call me. And it's like you think by now I would have had some friends who like. And no, nah, it's like we're all still poor, and uh, but, that, <laughs> but that's all right. That's all right. But uh, um, so you were talking about pressure, man. Let me ask you something about pressure because looking over your discography, like you've been pretty consistent with putting out material. You know, um, do you feel pressure to do that? Do you feel pressure because of the way the music industry works? That man, I gotta stay. I gotta stay here. I gotta stay relevant. Or is it just you know what? I'm gonna put this out at my pace as I decide to do it. I feel a massive amount of pressure and it has nothing to do with the, the music business at all. Mm. Um, if I don't put something out every year, I feel sick in my stomach. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, I just feel like at, at my age and my proclivity for what I can do, there's no reason I'm not putting out tunes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And um, the only reason that I didn't ever was because I didn't have the ways and means. Now I do, you know what I mean? Like I have a million dollar studio that I is open to me anytime I want to touch down. So it's, it's, I think 18 year old me might find a time machine and come back and beat me if I don't take it seriously. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I, I was so hungry for those opportunities for so long and never thought that they would come. I mean, like, honestly, I'm not saying that I'm anywhere in the game whatsoever, but I definitely never thought I would even get this far. It never was like a thing where I was like, oh, I'm probably going to be able to like make a living and somebody going to like ask to fly me out to a different state that they never met me before and, and have me play. Nah, nah, nah. That wasn't the intention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a real intention was to throw parties and, and hustle on the side and touch the mic every now and then so I could get a little attention. <laughs> Do you, uh, what are you working on right now, man? I mean, I know obviously you're going to, keep playing shows you've got stuff coming up are you currently working on new music always man yeah uh actually talked to Dust, my, my producer yesterday El dusty and he's working on some new rhythms for me right now he's just about the time of every year where i go down to the studio because his studio is about 
three and a half, four hours from my gates. Mm -hmm. So I'll go down there and, and just spend a week and bust a, an EP out real quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, like I said, mm, you know, I homeschool on my youth. So it's like, just kind of try to find when, it, when the schedules can align properly where I can just dip down there real quick and put the work out. Yeah. I'm meeting more and more working dads and moms doing this, man. And I love that. Cause I'm the same way. It's like, um, my kids always come first, plain and simple, no matter what, when my kids were younger, I did not tour extensively. I would do short things, you know, a few hours from home. I did not tour extensively because, you know, my kids are more important. I was going to be there with them. Now that they're a little bit older, I can get out and do, you know, more of those things. But I'm coming across more musicians like that, that I respect because it's like, no, you know, this comes first. I will find a way to have my career, but I'm not going to disappear for months at a time. Yeah. For me, it was never advantageous, man. Like the money didn't make sense. Like, it's, it's all it's a money move for me man like if you can't keep me out of road and i'm bringing money back with the equipment like to to be enough then then why why not bring my you with me mm -hmm. I, you know like if, I, if there's that much money coming in and i already homeschool them anyway you know what i mean like i i said so it's like yo school can't stop just because i go out of town you know what mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. and um so like when we were just in austin for example like my wife was there my children everybody was there um my daughter, my first, my first barn was born. We took her on tour at six, six weeks old. <laughs> okay. Mama and everybody get in and we, we had a, a Colorado run. So we were out in Colorado for like two or three weeks, right? When she was first born. And we always joke as like my youth, that's the, the favorite thing they want to do is be in a hotel. <laughs> like you're like, what do you want to do for your birthday? I want to go to a hotel. I was like, my youth, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I have a show book. Let's go. <laughs> I'm in a good situation, man. Like I got teenagers and um, so they don't want to go with me and I don't want them there anyway. So <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. But no, nah, oh, they, really, they really don't want to go with me. It's like, I'm not, I'm not cool. I'm just dad and dad's going to go do his thing and, and they're not interested. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. It still works out. Well, hey man, so we've come to the point in the show. And you're not alone. I do this with everyone, so don't feel bad. But I, I, we've been talking all about your music, man. I've been telling you how much I, I love it and appreciate it. But now i got to ask you the tough questions, okay? It's just, just the way it's got to go. You can't just disconnect now. i got to ask you. So are you ready for these tough questions, man? Sure. All right, question number one. You are a performer. You record music. You create music. What if you had to choose between performing and creating music create easy i love it when people answer that one that quickly if you're a writer if you're a creator there's there's no like i love performing for people man like i love it like the first time i ever stepped on a stage and played a song was you know what i mean but like i'm a writer and that's that's number one that's the way it's got to be so my other tough question for you man all right um if someone doesn't know soul is no someone's never heard your music and they say, well, I'll check you out, but I'm a pretty busy person. Give me one tune that you feel represents you well that I should go check out. What would you tell them? Ooh. Hmm. Currently, man, like I say, like what I'm doing right now, um, maybe something from the new album, like uh, Never Again. But at the same time, 
my first thought when you said the question, you know what I mean? When, they, when you, when you first come out with it, my, my, the first thing I would have said was no surrender because mm -hmm. I feel like the, I've done a lot of them type of tunes throughout my career. You know what I mean? Strugglers tunes, songs that kind of go out for a different, it's not such a positive, like, Oh, good vibes, Riga. You know what I mean? It's, it's more serious business. That might be why that might be why I, I really enjoy listening to music, man, because that's um, like I mentioned at the top of this, like that's that's where my vibe is, man. That's what I want to hear from people. I want to hear people who are interested in making a difference in this world are interested. And look, we don't have the egos to say, like, like, we're going to change the world. But I want to listen to people who want to. I want, I want to listen to people who want to have an impact, who want to change things, not for themselves, but for the planet, for humanity. So it means a lot to me that you do that, man. Um, what's, what's the number one thing that you'd want people to know about you who haven't heard your music? Man, honestly, I like people to just understand like where I'm from, you know what I mean? Because... Like where I talked just a little bit joking around, man, it's it's such a, I mean, it's a small place. It's a small country. Very few people actually live there. It's the second least populous country in all of the oh, whole hemisphere. The only one that has least people is Suriname. You know what I mean? Like it's a small country, yo. And we have a different culture. We have a different way of talking. We have a different way of doing things. And it's real easy to just think like, yo, it's it's this it's derivative it's oh it's it's a uh, oh it's, it's Indian Jamaicans or oh it's 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 South American Jamaicans or, or whatever and it's like nah man we have our own thing we came up with our own culture we have our own people and it's a, it's a beautiful thing because to me that's what Caribbean music can really bring to the equation for people is that if you don't understand Caribbean music then you don't understand Caribbean culture they're intertwined you mm -hmm. know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And if you do understand Caribbean music, then you do understand Caribbean culture. You can't understand people. You can't talk to people. You know what I mean? Like, like culture to me is really an important thing, man. And to be able to spread that vibe to a new people and be able to say like, look, man, like this is something you can research. You can learn about. You can go to a restaurant, you know, check a next artist, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because people don't know. It's like, yo, you, you heard Electric Avenue, right? You ever heard, think of that song sounds kind of Caribbean. <laughs> Guyanese version wrote that song. You know what I mean? Like Eddie Damn Grant, he a Eddie big Grant. deal. Yo. Yep, yep. <laughs> Man, it's funny. I've been hearing that song a lot lately. I don't know why. Like it's just been, I've probably heard it half a dozen times in the last week or two. You know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden that, that tune just popped up to me. Bro, that's, that's our biggest representative. <laughs> I always loved that tune when I was a kid, man. Like even before, like I, I knew what reggae was or got into reggae. It's like looking back, I always dug reggae rhythms even if even before i knew what it was or before all that you know but yeah it's funny man we try to pigeonhole and categorize everything like you were saying earlier oh you're from south america so you speak spanish you're like nah like not everyone matter of fact there's a country called brazil which is giant and has a lot of people and spanish isn't there you know what i mean like uh it's funny how we do that man it reminds me of uh you remember that old show king of the hill that animated show there was like that dude on the show and they were asking him, so are you Chinese or Japanese? And he's like, I'm from Laos. And they're like, uh, so are you Chinese or Japanese? And it's like, wh why do we, we try so hard to, to put everyone in a big box when none of us are like that, man. 
None of us are like, there's no one that you can just put in a giant box and say, oh, you just go in there. Why do we do that? Man, because it's shorthand. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, a, it's like a little simple way that your brain can deal with all the complexity of life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we all do it in, a, in our own ways. I try to do it in positive ways, but I ain't going to lie. I do do it in positive ways. Like last time I was landed in Fort Lauderdale, I had a big, long, I was waiting on my ride and we had like four hours to kill. And they were like, yo, we can't take you to a Jamaican spot. And I was like, Shh. you have a roti spot? <laughs> because I was like, yo, I want to be around my people. You know what I mean? Like just a little different vibe. And it's the same thing. It's like to somebody else, like, oh, it's the same thing. What do you mean? You and you and Jamaicans are the same people. And to me, it's like, uh, nah, let me go hang out with the Trinity. Let me go hang out with the, with the Guyanese. You know what I mean? Like, so I understand it. I, I totally get it. And that's why I want people to be like more informed. You know what I'm saying? Cause for me as a, as a human being, like if I'm driving on the road and I see a restaurant for a place I'd never heard of before from a country, I didn't know the food. I'm gonna go check it out. If I'm gonna hear a band from another country and I see it at a local spot and I know, don't know about that country. I never heard of it before. Like say like Bhutan or something where it's just so exotic, bro, I'm gonna go check. Mm. I'm gonna go see it mm. because where else? I'm not getting on a plane. You know, we live in a global society these days, and some people, they want it to be small again. You know, they want to go back to the old days when they have three different choices for dinner. And you know what I mean? Like two choices on the radio station, country or Western, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like, bro, it's so much to life that is so much more than that. You know what I mean? And I think the Internet is is a beautiful part of that. Like we're sitting here holding a vibe across a thousand miles right now. You know what I mean? And if you were. Cut off to them things and say, no, nah, man, I don't do Zoom, dog. It's it's a it's a, a young man thing, man. I do them, yeah. Then what happens? You cut off, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Nobody else is gonna hurt, right? Yeah. Everybody else is gonna keep having a nice day, right. and you cut yourself off. You built a little fence around yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's why I think like Florida, Texas, there's a lot of people that, that that's their kind of mindset, man. Is like they want it to be how it was in the fifties, and if it's not, then we just, we, we got to box it in and we got to get these people over here and we got to keep these people. Yeah, nah, man, like I'll mix up. You know what I mean? My wife is a white lady from East Texas, dog. You know what I mean? Like my kids is mixed up. My family is mixed up. My culture is mixed up. I love it. I don't understand how so many people who weren't alive in the 1950s want to go back there. So like, that, that don't make no damn sense to me, man. I'm like, you know. Why pine for an age you weren't even a part of? Like, I don't even understand. Shut off to leave it to Beaver, yo. <laughs> I blame the Beaver. You blame the Beaver, man. That's uh, it's the source of all our problems, man. Blame the it's Beaver. It's a soundbite right yeah. there for you, boy. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, man, I'm going to clip that. Blame the Beaver. <laughs> but wait, it's funny, man, because, you know, what you were saying about um, the internet. Like for me, when the internet first came to this thing where like all of a sudden everybody's on the internet, I'm like, oh man, look at this beautiful thing. We can see no more xenophobia because we can look and see everyone all over the world. And what, and it's like, I was wrong because I, you know, I overestimated human beings. I really did. You know, I thought there was like, oh cool, we can drop all this stuff. And it's like, nah, like some people pushed back against that hard. And and only use the internet to try to do just what you were saying a minute ago, man. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's like, I used to bother me more. And nowadays, I'm just like, you can't look at them people and say, yo, mm-hmm. you're missing out, my guy. Like, I, I can emphatically tell you, you're missing out. So, you know, 
Yeah. Let all them sad people go hang out, be sad together. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to do that, man. I used to have uh, I first job I ever had. I had this boss that was angry all the time, right? And it's like throwing stuff around and like just just angry, you know. And we had crazy turnover in that department. I worked I worked produce in a supermarket. Crazy turnover in that department, right, man? I worked for this cat for like five six years, and some one day a dude came to me and he said, "How have you worked for this guy for so long? Like he's such a jerk. The dude's crazy." And I said, "It's easy, man. It's because it's his problem, not mine." You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not the reason he's having a bad day. Like he's got some problems. So sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a time where there's, there's attitudes we have to fight against. And there's times where you say, you know what, like you said, you're missing out, man. Life is passing you by and maybe you're angry about it or something, but like the rest of us got to move on and make progress in life. And that's, that's what humans have always done. We have never failed to make progress from one generation to another. That's just what we do. Yeah, man, fully. I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you being on here with me. We're about about out of time. I kept you on here long enough, but but please um tell us all where we can check out your music, your socials, all, all that. Yeah, man. So Soulfy, S-O-U-L-F-I-Y-A. Spelled just like that. I'm the only one doing it. Maybe there's somebody, but they're new to it, you know. Uh Anywhere you you would look at for that, that that's where it's gonna be, man. Um, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, what Amazon Music is a thing, Apple Music is a thing. Any, anywhere that you're gonna find that, man. I'm distributed through Empire, so any anything that any place that you find looking for music, you will see so far well represented. And yeah, man, come hold a vibe with your brethren. We're gonna put out something new. You're gonna hear something interesting, something thought provoking, something that might put your head in a book or go research or you know learn a new vibe and and that's 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 what i'm trying to do man i'm trying to yeah. give somebody just an another little taste of life to go enjoy on your own you know and yeah, we can't hold the vibe when you see me live you know well said man and they can catch you all over and man i really appreciate you being on the talking reggae podcast it was great to converse with you and and i look forward to doing it again sometime all right yeah brother thanks for having me on thank you very much i give thanks man i really appreciate you being on here man take care one love Come on, respect.